On Sunday, we continued our series titled Home, where we're considering what it means to be a part of the faith family at Broadmoor and, more specifically, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Pastor Josh preached from Luke chapter 9 as he spoke about our values and how they're tied to scriptural discipleship. Today, our conversation centers around what it looks like to be a true disciple of Jesus. Is it simply a prayer that saves us, or is there more to being a Christ follower? It's a great discussion today, and we're glad you're here for it. This is After the Message. All right, well, hey, guys. Hey, uh, Mike. Welcome, Mike. Well, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, hey. Welcome to you. It's not James Earl Jones. Welcome yeah, to you to right. the podcast. Well, yeah, so so for those of you who are listening, I was challenged before we pressed record here to do my best <laughs> James Earl Jones impression, and I just can't do it. I, You know, I, I feel like... Rookie host. Yeah, well, maybe so. <laughs> next time. Pretty Work on it for next time. Well, maybe rookie host today, but uh, I am a rookie audio engineer today, yes, recording engineer, so uh, we are missing Corey, and so he gave me a crash course on capturing the audio on the podcast, so wow, let me just please. remind you guys that I have the power to veto you today. Like, you do. I, you I can mute us. Yeah. I can gonna, mute you. Who's going to keep us on track, though? I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to wrap us yeah. up. Somebody's I mean, who's going to give there. us nods of approval or disapproval, That's you know, right. if we say Or things. just that kind of stink eye every now and then. Right? Yes. I'm like, where are y'all going with that? Yeah. <laughs> Corey, he didn't mean that. You don't have a stink eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an intentional stink eye. I mean, it's, it's what keeps us going. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes today. And, and, you know, the worst thing that could happen, I guess, is that we get to the end of this and realize that none of it recorded. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, Are you double checking that? that? Would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see red and and I see numbers counting. So it's right. a good I'm, sign. I'm assuming go. yeah. red's good. I'm assuming all red things are good. Red means go. Yep. Red well, means red means record. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to trust you on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey, uh, good to be in the room. Um, so we we this Sunday had uh, our second installment of the home series, and. Um, so the first week we talked about mission. Um, this past week we talked about values, mm. or at least a little bit about values, right? Sure. So, um, but but we were talking about why is it important and and how are we going to go about uh, accomplishing the mission? So, um, I think maybe a, a good way to sort of start out today is to talk about like why is it even important, even important that we have values or we articulate values as a church, right? So I mean. Are they are they just words that we came up with and uh, and just thought these would be really cool things to say and like really catchy things that people could get energized by, um, or uh, do they actually tie back to the gospel and mm-hmm. our mission? I, I think it's a good question because I, I've received feedback and and I'm even you know hesitant when it all rolls out as a part of the the rebrand, right? It feels a little flashy. It looks um, like it's part of the package. Mm-hmm, Neatly. Right. Mm-hmm, it looks right. good on media. Yeah, that's is right. Is it necessary is that's, the question. I think that's right. Is, is this just something we did to roll something else out to give us another list of things that we need to be mindful of? Yeah. Or is there something thoughtful behind why mm-hmm. we thought our church family mm-hmm. needed to consider values? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a, a valid question. Yeah. It's I'm not going to answer it right now. I've got an answer, but I'm not. <laughs> it is a valid question. I it have no answer, but it's a great question. No, in, in our life group, kind of toward the end as we were working through it, our uh, I didn't I was not teaching that day, so our teacher just encouraged us as a class to look back through these and even ask the question, uh, how are we doing in pursuing these as a as a class? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as part of the church body, but as a subset of that, I guess. 
And we had some really good uh, discussion even at the end of just taking some time to pray about how are we doing in these and where where are the areas that we feel like the Lord's mm-hmm. growing us, stretching us, where does he want to grow us? And even challenged our, our class to kind of look over the course of the next year, are there a couple of these that we would say we, we would like to be further along in that area by the end of next year? That's um, good. So that's, it was a, yeah. to me, it became a very practical um, tool in that moment mm-hmm. to say these are not just values to teach through or to put on a wall or in a book or whatever, but to challenge us to keep coming back to these to, to say, how are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. So as I look to it, right, so the question, I think, um, if I'm hearing it correctly, is are they necessary? Why, why do we have them? Are they necessary? Right. And, and I think, uh, as, as I'm attempted to, to, to build a case, not build a case for our, our six values, but to build a case for something that guides us mm. to, to remember what Christ has called us to right. and, and called us away from. So, so it's kind of both and. We live, a really, live in a really enticing world, and the world tells us, to value things that that ultimately eternally aren't kingdom minded uh, or even beneficial for the moment for us mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. Uh, and so as as we looked to the text yesterday and we we looked at at Luke nine, um, there's this picture that that Jesus asked the disciples who who do people say that I am and write it so it's in this kind of set of three things in that whole chapter first Herod asked the question then Jesus asked the question to the disciples and then then God the Father actually answers in the transfiguration towards the end of the chapter which is awesome all in itself. But the question's being asked, who is he? And, and if he is the promised one, if, if he is the Messiah, then that changes the game. Like that, that's, that changes everything, not just for when you die, but that changes the game today, right now in this moment. So what you'll see in the text is after Peter gives the answer, whether Peter gives the answer for Peter, which you know sometimes we have you, or if he's the mouthpiece and he's saying, this is what we believe about you as your, your apostles. Then Jesus gives them effectively values uh-huh. to keep them on the path moving forward. He said, okay, if you want to follow me, if, if you believe that I am he, and then you want to give your life to me and follow me, it's going to require something. And mm-hmm. it's it's radical, but it, this is what it requires. This isn't a, a requirement, it's the requirement. Uh-huh. The requirement is denial of self, mm-hmm. taking up your cross daily, and following Christ wherever he goes. Hmm. And it's in those three things. And you say, well, it doesn't seem big. Well, when you understand those things in, mm-hmm. in context and, and actually real life application, that's all encompassing. Right. That's well, every moment of every day. And when he said that, we have the benefit of looking back over his entire ministry and that's all right. his teaching. Mm-hmm. And we understand now when he talked about, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. I am the chosen one who's here to do what? Mm-hmm. Usher in a new kingdom. That's right. And we have the benefit of looking back over all of Scripture to see well, what did this kingdom look like? Yeah. Well, they were driven. The kingdom is driven by these values. Like these are the things that bring Him mm-hmm. glory. Mm-hmm. That He has given us direction to say, live out this mm-hmm. and build this type of kingdom. That's right. And I think mm-hmm. those yeah. six values are pretty well, good at capturing that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think. Even as you look at the six values, there's there's a sense like it's not stated, but there's a denial of self mm-hmm. that has to happen in right. every one of those. Exactly. Right. Um, it's outward looking. It's not it's not it's saying we have to do this, but in order to do it, mm-hmm. you've got to put mm-hmm. yourself aside. No doubt. Um, it's about the loving the other person, and it's about right. the individual. It's about it's about pursuing God. Mm-hmm. Like so, I'm going to submit to God's word. That means I have to. Have to put my own thoughts, my own uh, desires aside, and follow him. So it, it it literally is 
in, yeah. Yeah. encapsulating it's the whole counter, idea. It's countercultural. Well, that's right. And Certainly. it's not what we Tonight. naturally mm-hmm. want to do in our flesh, for sure. Right. Yeah. And and so we've because we've referenced in, in our conversation six values, um, for, for those who may not have heard the message <laughs> on Sunday, and maybe you, you haven't uh, heard any of this before, um, just, just to, to kind of go through what those values are that we're referencing. Um, uh, one, we submit to God's Word. Uh, next, we pursue reconciliation. Uh, then we equip disciple makers. We run to the hurting. We cultivate healthy relationships, and we live generously. And so, these are the six values as a church that we have we have identified that mm-hmm. that really are going to be sort of the riverbanks or the, the the guardrails that navigate or help us navigate how we go about accomplishing. Uh, the mission that Jesus has called us to, and and as you just referenced, uh, Sean, I, I mean, I, yeah, those things are all. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, those are not about self. Like they're That's all right. outwardly focused, and and uh, really force us to. Want to be a uh, better me? Deny ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't get there with that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think another thing I like about it is it gives us a a language, a common language. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes we could we could talk about living for the kingdom and. We could think we know what each other's meaning in that, but sure. it's a little bit nebulous, maybe. So when we when we put a language to it, it gives us a way to talk to each other. So there's a community aspect. Right. Uh, even in marriage counseling, sometimes I'll introduce a term so that as the couple is talking with each other, they've got a word to now use that they both understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he can say, I'm flooding right now. And she, because we've talked about flooding, she knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this gives us a way in life groups or small groups or from the from the in a sermon to use language and everybody in the room kind of go, okay, this is what we're talking about there, mm-hmm. which is helpful. Yeah. Man, that was good, Preston. It was good. Well, good. I've been working on it. Mm. You should do like marriage counseling. <laughs> right. Yeah, you thought about counseling as a profession. Uh, um, hey, it once. could sound like, uh, because I, I, I'm trying to replay how we, we introed uh, from Luke 9 to this, um, that whenever we see the denial self, take up cross, follow Christ, those are biblical mandates. Like That's from right. Scripture, mm-hmm. we can say right. this is the the... The address to that in this this passage, uh, the ones that we have submitted to the church, as far as the six that we've given out, they're not necessarily biblical in the sense of um, I can point you to a chapter and verse mm-hmm. to get you that exact language. But we do believe they are biblical in the sense of they come from Scripture. Mm-hmm. We believe that they are principles that mm-hmm. we derive uh, through the Word that helps us understand what the Christian mm-hmm. life is to be and what it's not to be and what we're supposed yeah. to be focused on. Yeah. So I don't want there to be any confusion to right. say, okay, well, where, where did these six, what verse right. did these six come from? Mm-hmm. Um, truly, these are something that, that we are casting vision for, uh, although we know the, the mission and the values are both rooted in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. So our mission um, a united family of faith, joining Jesus on his mission for the glory of God and the good of our, our communities. That is our mission, but rooted in the Great Commission right. uh, and, and being faithful witnesses when the That's Holy right. Spirit has, has come to us. Mm. So just to be clear on yeah. this. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're talking a lot about, I mean, you know, talking about the values, talking about denial of self and all that. And I think, you know, as, as, uh, as you were preaching on Sunday, uh, Josh, I mean, the, the, the thing that kept standing out to me, uh, particularly, you know, in that, that part of the passage where it talks about, um, you know, if anyone would come after me, must ad- let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's the idea of, of like, lordship um, versus sort of what I, what I think, you know, our, our contemporary casual view of Christianity can tend to be. 
you know, it's like, yeah, we, we check the boxes, we go to church, we, mm-hmm. you know, uh, attended life group even, or, you know, I'd, I've done the things, um, but really it's compartmentalized and, uh, and it's not really true lordship in the way that you were speaking on Sunday, where right. it involves, I mean, it is, it is the totality of, of our lives and That's who right. we are surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. And to, to give clarity, because I know I was talking to a dad last night, he said, hey, look, if you guys want a uh, topic to discuss on podcast, discuss how parents can go back to their kids who said, hey, repeat this prayer, now you're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was uh, like, hey, yeah. look, I, I, I'm, the goal mm-hmm. isn't to shake a salvation, right? The goal isn't to make you think that you're unsaved. The, the, the aim of yesterday is to be clear. So the question we ask is, why do we live out the mission in front of us? And this is what we know. If, if the answer to that question, the why do we live out the mission in front of us, is anything other than Christ, uh-huh. then we will never have the fuel to complete the task that's before us. Uh-huh. Uh, so the reason we built it in the way that we did as we look to this text is we believe that, that, that this text gets us to that answer of, okay, we can say something, but your life will always prove what you truly believe. Right. Um, so you may say, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You may say, Jesus is my Lord. Great. What does your life look like? Does, does that back it up? And again, that, that shouldn't sound like works-based salvation. It shouldn't sound like, well, what you're saying is if I do enough good things, then it's going to prove. No, no. If you have truly made Christ your Lord, then your life's going to prove what you, what you believe is to be true. Um, because nowhere in the scripture, and, and guys, I've looked for it, does it say there's this special prayer to pray like this? It's almost like an incantation. Like if you say the right words, the right way, with the right heart, with the right tears, in the right moment, then salvation's yours. God's got to give it to you. He has no other choice than to offer to you salvation. You've cracked the code. That's not that's not what Christ ever offered to anybody. What he offered to them was life from death. And the only way they got that is by following him. Right. Yeah. Even after he died, by following him in the mission that he's given to to the apostles, and that's the gospel that they preached. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a tension with how we view, typically, how we view salvation, and maybe even more of a tension with how do we, how do we proclaim salvation, or how do, we, how do we tell someone that they can be saved? Mm. Because we, we speak a lot of times in snippets, and usually it's the snippets that we find most um, palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him on the third day, and you'll be saved. Great. Well, what's the easiest part of that? Confess with your mouth. Yeah. So say the words. Say with me, Jesus is Lord. Great, saved right there. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's yeah. the heart of that text. Mm-hmm. But also, one text doesn't a theology make. Right, right. And so we have to understand in the totality of Scripture. It's why biblical literacy is so important. It's why. Even from the beginning, going back to the Shema, it was so important for families to understand. So yeah. I know we're going to talk more about that in just a second, but that, that is why we went mm. where we are. Because yeah. if we can't answer the question, why are we living out this mission? If it's anything other than we believe Christ, we believe Jesus to be the Christ of God, as Peter's confession said, mm-hmm. then, then everything else is going to leave us short of the goal. Yeah. I think it's an interesting question, though, you know, because you talk about it, I mean, because somehow, somewhere along the way, I think for many of us, um, you know, there, it has become about like, so there's this like magical moment, like there's this prayer, and and it's like that's the that's the point um, at which you know you either become a Christian or you don't, and and um, like how do we get to that? 
Like, uh, like I can remember growing up, I think, again, whether it was, whether it was uh, explicitly stated or at least implicit. I mean, I just remember having a general understanding, mm-hmm. like, like we're trying to drive people to a prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. if I could just get you to this moment and this mm-hmm. point when, when you pray this prayer, you're okay. Like you, you know, and, and it was less about discipleship That's right. or, or a, you know, walk with Christ um, after that moment. I mean, I think there was a list of rules right. to follow. Okay, so if you could say this prayer and then you you do these things, um, like you're going to be okay. Um, you know, I, I just wonder, I mean, you know, I mean, is it is it because I know back when I was growing up, there was a huge push toward like, you know, there were these crusades and evangelism mm-hmm. stuff and, and, you know, and all those things are good. But I wonder if the, the emphasis toward those things didn't in some way have unintended consequences where, you know, you, you kind of forget about other things that are also sure. important, you know? That's I a would, great question. Yeah, ahead, I would Sean. almost so to push us back to our values, right? We submit to God's Word. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in church where we land is we, we, we get caught up in our practices. Yeah. And so it just becomes something we do. And I think you did, just across uh, church history, you did hit a season that there was uh, a major emphasis on having people get out of hell, right? Yes, right. Like, mm-hmm. And so um, so you had you had basically kind of revivalism breakout, right? and um, even had a pew set aside in the church called mm-hmm. the anxious bench, and the whole idea was if I can bring somebody, if I can get them to the anxious bench where the pastor knows that mm-hmm. I can kind of look at that person, and I can put pressure on them, and I can really preach to them, maybe yeah. I can get them to make a decision, and, um, you know, so we we started entering into these practices, maybe out of good intentions, That's right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we lost sight of the truth of God's word, mm-hmm. and to go back and question and evaluate ourselves: are we are we doing this because this is what God's word says, or because it has become just the practice of mm-hmm. what we do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just that's always important. Uh, another yeah. thought that came to mind: I would encourage you to look back through the Gospels. That's right. Can you identify the moment that the disciples mm-hmm. became a Christian? Right. Can you mark it? And you have you have multiple instances there where Peter really makes different proclamations. Yeah. So which one is it? Is it is it the words he says, right. or is it more so based on that he is falling in love with Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. and under and coming to a, a deeper understanding of who he is? Yeah. Like that, there's that, and and he's becomes dependent upon the work of Christ rather than the words that he said. Yeah. And so, um, so I would, I would encourage you. To, like dig, like yeah, dig it, and dig there's the so word. much to that, Sean. Golly, <laughs> yeah. that is so, so good because I think also what I've I've done that, and and as as I even go, like I even ask the question, which which of the disciples sought him out? Yeah, or did he seek all of them out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did he meet them where they were? Did he call them by their name? Did he mm-hmm. did he look at them and say, "Hey, I want you to come"? Right. Or or were were there other parts of that? Like I don't, there wasn't any that came to Jesus and said, let me show you what I got. I need to be on your team. You want right. me on your team. I got <laughs> right. skills you need for the kingdom. Right. So let me show out for you and we'll see how this tryout uh-huh. goes. That's not there. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of times that we feel that pressure because another thing that is um, absolutely beautiful in the in the scriptures is 
once they come to Christ, like physically come to him and follow him, they come all that they are. In doubt, they're still full of doubt. Mm-hmm. They're still full of, of mess-ups. I mean, they're still full of I mean, almost blasphemy, right? Jesus looks at Peter at one point right after he makes the get, proclamation of another gospel. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Unbelievable, uh, right? But they were his. Uh, and there's something beautiful about when we positionally belong to him that in our worst moments and in our, our, our far-reaching fearful days, he still holds us, mm-hmm. and he never lets them go. And then even worse, like, you're not here for this sermon, but this was our Easter sermon last year. Like, in the event that you turn your back on him, like Peter three times, no, I do not know him, goes back to the old way of life, and Jesus literally pursues him again yeah. and says, hey, I love you. Like, there's just something beautiful about that. Okay. So in, in, in a sense, I know you could hear a sermon like yesterday and think, oh, no, am I saved? Mm. Mm. The, the point is, are there things about your life? Do you know that you're following Christ? I know we don't have the luxury that they had because Jesus literally stood in front of them. And to say, they could say, I am following him because he went from this city to that city and I was with I him. Too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's easy. It's a little bit harder for us to say he went from this city to that city and I'm following him. But if there are evidences, and, and I want to say that's what they are. They're, they're, not, they're not, you've done this and now you get salvation. You're not earning it. But there are, there are things that about our life that prove that we are his and that we've trusted him that should give you peace. Mm-hmm. Peace because if we are following him, then we know that he has us. And according to Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that, that's a beautiful picture to me. Um, but I do think that what, what Mike was talking about and, and Sean was bringing up with this whole idea of revival and revivalism, um, there was this warning, uh, if, if you're familiar with uh, the woes, the seven woes uh, in Matthew. Um, Matthew 23 is where they're located. And one of those woes is this. Matthew 23, verse 15. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single convert. And when he becomes a convert, you make him twice the child of hell that you yourself are. What they were doing is, in their Jewish tradition, saying, if you want to truly know God, then you do this, this, and this. And because now they're doing this, this, and this, tick that box, and they have the holy mans, the the scribes, the Pharisees, mm-hmm. uh, approval of it. They think, I'm doubly sure yeah. that this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, you've just made them twice you're, the sons you're worse of hell. Than you were. Right. Than you are. And that has always been a fear for me mm-hmm. whenever we say... Anything different than the scripture, right? When we add to it or, or even nuance it some and we say, no, to be a Christian is you just do this, this, and this. And I can't find that in the word. That makes me fearful because mm-hmm. there are going to be people who live their life and say, I'm a Christian, not because of evidences of following Christ, but because Pastor Josh said, or because Broadmoor gave me this plaque, or because I stood in the baptismal waters and I was baptized and everybody clapped. But if they're honest and they look back across their life, there's never been a moment of denial of self. There's never been a moment to live for the next world and not this one. And there's never been a moment where you're following Christ. And then they're going to stand one day, I believe, like we get at the end of Matthew 25, and they're going to say, well, didn't, didn't we do all these big things? He said, but I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Depart from me. That's weighty for us. Okay. And so I think the best thing that we can do is be crystal clear 
and what the scripture says and yeah. allow people to wrestle with it. And I know where we come from. We're Baptist. We come from a long line of traditions. And sometimes we, we love our traditions because <laughs> they make us feel good. Um, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't pray a prayer and be right with the Lord. I'm not saying you can't pray a prayer and start the, the path of discipleship. I started there. Mm-hmm. I said a prayer with Tony mm-hmm. Lambert and Picayune next to my cousin who is not following the Lord. Mm-hmm. But he said the same prayer. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you what the difference is. I had a mom and then a dad later in that season come in and then grandparents who came in mm-hmm. and they discipled me every step of the way mm-hmm. where yeah. cousin didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why discipleship is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Great Commission is the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And it's to make disciples and not make converts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because the discipleship is what allows you to grow in that faith. Go ahead. So, nope, nope. so parents, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. So you may have had a child that said a prayer because yeah. they came to a point that they feel convicted of sin. They understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, and they're, they're trusting in that in the simplest of ways. Mm-hmm. I believe as a parent, your your job, your work is to teach them to fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So so not just to bank that, oh, you've done that, been there, let's let's you've been in the baptistry. Like teach your kid to love the word mm-hmm. and to love Christ mm-hmm. and to 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 really enjoy him, right? That's right. Um that that's discipleship. That that's right. that is that is the work that we've been given as parents to disciple our kids uh, is to help them understand how to fall in love with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so not just to base it off the checkbox or That's I've right. done this mm-hmm. deed, but to truly, truly fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's a great word. Yeah. What is fall in love with Jesus? I, I think to understand that uh, he is who he says he is, that he is supreme majestic, glorious above all things, that there is nothing that compares to him in this world. I, I believe it's, it's falling in love with the words that he said. Um, so the things that he and his father has given us in this book to fall in love and to know that it's there to, mm-hmm. to lead us and to guide us and to really show us who we are and who he is. Um, I think it's loving what, uh, what Christ loves. Um, and that's people. I think it's I think it's loving the mission that he came to serve and not to be served, um, to go and make disciples, to lead others to fall in love with. I, I, I think, like we could just get go on mm-hmm. and on, right? Um, yeah, I think I'm. I'm just if if I'm listening and I hear fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. There's so many pictures that come to mind. <clears throat> When we talk about fall in love, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm somebody who doesn't have the emotional equivalent of what comes to mind when we yeah. say not fall bubbly, in love lovely, you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, what do I do if you know it? If my child prayed a prayer, sure, but I don't see him following in love, falling right. in love with Jesus. Yeah, are you? I, I, it, what's my role? Like yeah. and and I think I think that's where um, I would want to encourage the listener that it's it is seeing him, understanding his truth, understanding the work on the cross, 
understanding his mm-hmm. grace and goodness, understanding yes. on the call on his life. But we can't make our kids fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Right? And I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this gets a little sure, a little foggy on discipleship. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We can... Right. Okay. So th- I think this goes back to... And, and, and here comes another tension point, and I'm going to feel it just as much as everybody else. Our, we can't make them fall in love That's with right. Jesus. That's but right. sometimes we say, well, they're already saved. They're just not in love with Jesus yet. Uh, are they? I, I don't know. What, like... Yeah, that's right. right. So, so here, here. If what you, does that mean? Well, here's where I would say, if we're going to use scripture as the anchor point, John fourteen, John mm-hmm. fourteen fifteen. I was just um, looking at the same thing. If you love me, mm-hmm. keep, my keep my commandments. commandments. Yeah, like, yep. like, yeah, yeah. I can give you an address to that. I can mm-hmm. give you right. a, a chapter and verse to that. And again, I don't think that's dogmatic. I don't mm-hmm. think that is. Well, you got to love him, so you've got to do this, 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 right. this. Because the 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 listener is going to say, "Well, I messed up last night, so I guess I don't love." That's Jesus. exactly right. right. But here here is my struggle, right? And we as Baptists, we one of the main reasons we don't like Presbyterians. <laughs> Hear me out. I love Presbyterians. But the reason that we are probably going to find ourselves really uncomfortable in a Presbyterian church is because we can't get behind pedo baptism, right? Because we want to say they need to make a decision for themselves, and we are credo Baptists, not pedo Baptists. We we believe that they need to say, "I believe that Jesus is the Christ." For that, okay. Sometimes, though, I think in the culture that we live in, our kids at such a young age make a confession that is not true. It's confessed because they've heard it. It's confessed because mom and daddy really desire it. It's confessed because they've heard it in church and this is what you should do. But if there is no affection for the Christ in the sense of, I don't know what's, if I can't articulate sin, and I know Sean and I, we, we talk about this and we do a great job here, but I still think there's a tension point. When we understand the weight of sin mm-hmm. and we understand the beauty of a savior, right. mm-hmm. I don't think you have to be lovey-dovey and you know writing right. bubble letters to say, I love you, Lord, but there's a sense of gratitude for mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I am mm-hmm. dead without what you. you have done for me. Yeah. Yeah. But you've just breathed life into me. All right, so correct. And I think that's where I, I I feel a little protective of the people who are listening that are still struggling with I said a prayer. Mm-hmm. Because what I mean, what is a prayer? It doesn't have to be a cantation. Sure. Right. Right. Not all prayers are religious ceremonies. Sometimes at the gut at their heart level, they realized, oh, my gosh, I'm lost without a Savior. Yeah. And so I am, with all that I am, calling out to him in prayer, asking him to redeem me. I mean, I need to be rescued. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I'm it's, for that. It's very sincere, mm-hmm. but it comes out in the form of a prayer. Yeah. So I I, there, I, I don't want those people to nope. hear us saying that that, that prayer wasn't isn't the way. Isn't the way yeah. or it didn't work for you. Sure. Right, right. right. But I, I would say, yeah, and I, yeah. I think you're right, because the way you just built that is somebody who knows the weight of their sin mm-hmm. and knows the beauty of the That's Savior. Right. Right. And so I, I don't necessarily equate that to they said the prayer. I think they confessed faith in who right. Jesus right. is, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. so there is a confession mm-hmm. the same way that right. Peter did, the same way uh, that that God is speaking to, to the disciples who mm-hmm. are in the transfiguration. This is who he is, and there's an acknowledgement that's of that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where discipleship is going to play out really important in their lives following that. I think going back to where my point was is sometimes if we feed all of this information to somebody just because we want to get them to that's say right. this line in a sentence to make us feel better, right? 
I, I want to feel better because I know my kids said this, but then we we watch them grow up and we're like, why aren't they why aren't they acting like they love God? Why don't they love right. His commandments? Because I think they're. If you love me, keep my commandments. Like if, again, one verse doesn't the theology make, but mm-hmm. if you extrapolate that through the whole scriptures, we fall in love with his commands because mm-hmm. we know they're good. Right. And mm-hmm. again, that word, we desire his commands yep. because we know they're good for us. Sure. That's right. They're going to keep us safe. They're going to keep us going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm 100% with you guys. I'm yeah. just, I'm listening. <laughs> no, there should be attention for, for those right. guys. <laughs> I mean, are you? <laughs> I'm all in. Um, no, and I think but, that's right for you to have yeah. that tension, well, right? And I, and I think, too, like, to, to phrase it another way, th- their trust, their hope is not in the prayer, that's right. but the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's, so, that's right. so that, if yeah. that prayer yeah. is coming out of this longing and hope for mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. like, like, my response is I'm going to call out to him for salvation. My hope is in the person of Christ, not in the prayer I pray. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so That's a good way to I, put it. I think, uh, you know, a lot of this goes back to this following. What's what's it mean to follow him, though, right? Mm-hmm. And, and are we teaching, whether it's at a young age or whether it's an adult in a sermon or a revival, are we calling people to come follow Christ or are we calling people to quote, be saved or whatever other language you want to interject there, and do they do they grasp the full picture of what mm-hmm. Jesus is calling them to? And because we can't physically follow him the way the disciples did, um, what does that look like for us? And I, I think the word that keeps coming back to my mind is we model our lives after his, mm-hmm. or we pattern maybe our lives mm-hmm. after his. We, we look at how he lived his life, and we make a commitment that because I believe he is the Christ— I will live my life the way he lived his life. And we see that through his actions, which also point back to his heart often. And we're going to wrestle with that. If we're trying to live the action out without the heart, we're going to keep going, man, this is like, this is way too hard because our heart hasn't changed yet. I'm going to say something real quick. I'm going to sound really smarter than I am because I've been reading Jonathan Edwards' Affections uh-huh. book, right? Which I don't read that stuff a lot because it's really hard. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's been really good, but very um, mm, stretching. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of tension in that for me because um, just a little self-disclosure, I'm not the most emotional. Sure. Right? So when I start thinking about affections, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, dang it. Like, where is that for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I miss that across the board. All right, not not sure. just with God, yeah. but other people in my life. What, what are you trying to confess? <laughs> <laughs> um, so when when you look, and Preston, I'll look to you as the counselor in the room. Oh my! There's a there's a place of trust mm-hmm. and belief and confidence mm-hmm. that because of one's own scars, wounds, history, past, might hurt or weaken the ability to feel affectionate in the way we would want to. Is that fair? I think it's fair. I think it's fair, but in relation to God, I think much like in relation to uh, humans, we may have some scars or some deficits from early on that make that harder for us. But if the Spirit keeps prompting us that, hey, you know that's there, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to battle through that, then I think we do. We have to battle through that with God just as we do with other people, right? And so um, with God, that may be... I feel something of of that affection because I recognize what he has done for me. Right. But because of my upbringing or my church background or my whatever, 
I just, oh, I'm so, I don't want to express that. Uh Um, And if there's anything that's preventing us from expressing to God what he has already placed in our heart, then I think that's a barrier that we have to Mm. process. We have to process, right? Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know if that was your question. No, it's good. That's a man. I didn't read Jonathan yeah. Edwards this week, so no. no. That's and all I, I think <laughs> I think you're on to something, Mark. And I I want to you know to talk to it for a few seconds. Um, when we talk about love, right? So everybody has yeah. a different version of what that is to them. A thousand yeah. different pictures. Mm-hmm. It's exactly right. And and a lot of times when especially if we're emphatic, speaking in front of the room, man, you just need to love Jesus. Mm. Usually that's taken one of a couple of ways, but it's all like ushy gushy. I'm so I mean I'm tearful. Mm-hmm, remorse. Right. And there are just some people who don't, that's not how their personality is, mm-hmm. is, is kind of created, right? And so I think you can use a different word that speaks to the same thing. And I think it's, it's desire. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I desire, sure. like, I love him, so I desire his law. Mm-hmm. Like, I desire to do right. I desire to do what he's told me to do. So, you know, taking this to your, to your marriage. Now, mm-hmm. you didn't say this. <laughs> um, but, like, if, if we're taking this to our spouses, like, there's a lot of times I can tell Katie... I love her all day long, and then at some point she's going to be like, "Okay, if you love me, that's right. Show me. Where's the action? Uh-huh. Show, what, what? What? What is it? Like those desires you keep talking. Where the action towards that? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, show me the love, right? That's right. So I, I think um, for us, if you're if you're listening and and you're not an ooey gooey person, right, uh-huh. and you're not a, a bubbly whatever, I don't think that disqualifies. I don't think that is a mark of of born again nature. Right. Um, but I do believe we should desire, like what, what shows our heart has been changed is we begin to desire mm-hmm. his desires. That's right. Mm-hmm. We, we want what he wants and we begin to hate what he hates. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, and I think this is a good test, if we go long stretches in that relationship with him that we say we have a relationship, but there is no desire change, yeah. mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty good indicator mm-hmm. that we, right. we need to do a checkup. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a great... Just talking about words, mm-hmm. Psalm one nineteen. Mm. Just to go and it's look at song. all, yeah. So just to go and look at all the words that David uses: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. desire, longing. Mm-hmm. I'm searching for. I'm mm-hmm. seeking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm following. I'm like so. He just is talking about God's word, God's truth, God's statutes, mm-hmm. God's decrees. He uses so many different words. Yeah to talk about love and desire and yeah. affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so there may be something there that that describes right. what this longing is in you for mm-hmm. Christ and for his word. And so it's good. Yep. It's good. Really good discussion. I feel like I feel like it got kind of kind of Kind of heavy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, you were bringing the heat there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what you get for reading Jonathan Edwards? It's a good day. Well, uh, it, it, you know. Well, I got to tell you, I so just know we of, got a lot of different people listening with a lot of different yeah. backgrounds. One yeah, of the right. one really of the good. worst grades I ever got in college was on a uh, a paper that I had to write on um, Jonathan Edwards mm. on uh, what is it? Sinners in the hands of an angry, angry God. God. Yeah, yep. that'll um, make you think twice. Yeah, I had a professor mm. that just like. I got that thing back. It had all sorts of red ink all over it. <laughs> if you've never heard the story, like like the legend of that sermon, you know, Jonathan Edwards was notorious for reading. Um, so so he would take his manuscript and he would hold it right in front of his face because he was fearful of public speaking. Mm. Crazy, right? Wow. Mm. And so he would hold it like this. He couldn't see the audience. So he felt like the Lord gave him that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and it's exactly what it sounds like mm-hmm. it is. And, and he yep. is just laying out, hey, you are sinful and you are in danger of, of the wrath of God. And, 
And so he's sitting there and he's angry because the congregation is hooping and hollering during his sermon. And so he's just sitting there. And as he reads it, like the legend goes that he was like, stop talking. I'm trying to give a sermon. And he looks down and people are in a frenzy because it was said that some people felt like the earth was opening up as he talked. And it felt like the fires of hell were leaping at their feet and they were begging him to stop preaching so they could put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Wow, wow. Wow. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. <laughs> it's the cra- And he just read it. And like to know Jonathan Edwards, or at least in the, the biographies that you read, He's not an emotional guy. Right. Yeah. Like he just sat there and he was just very matter of fact, read a sermon. <laughs> right. Stop talking. It was like, oh my gosh, these people are broken <laughs> over their sin. Uh, That's right. It's well. good. This well, uh, that'll happen at Broadmoor next week. Yes, oh, yeah. when we but, talk about strategy. Josh, yes. is so, <laughs> Josh is not real strict, not real emotional. <laughs> I'm not yeah. at all. So, um, yeah. So, so this this coming week, uh, we start. We go into the third week of our series entitled Home, and uh, and we'll be talking about strategy. You're preaching from Acts chapter two this next week, right? Potentially, yeah. yeah that's potentially. the thought. We'll see what Today. happens this week now and now on Sunday. Yeah, we will see. Um, so anyway, looking forward to uh, to next week and, and great conversation today, guys. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And uh, thanks for being a part of it. Yeah, man. Love, you, it. Love, Love you guys. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.